Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Impala's podcast series, 20 Minutes With. My name is Juliana Carantin and today my guest is G. Davey from the UK Independent Music Association, AIM. G and I will be talking about live streaming and what it means to independent music companies. Hi G, lovely to see you and welcome. Well, thank you very much. And it's really good to be taking part in uh, this series. I'm very honored to be the fourth person. First of all, G, we have to mention that you are an inductee of Music Weeks, Women in Music, Role of Honour, and on the 2019, she said so's Alternative Power 100 music list. Now comes your recent promotion at AIM as its first COO. Congratulations. You are renowned for your extraordinary insights into how the music business works. Could you tell us more about your career path at AIM and what's the importance of this new role for the association? It's really good to talk about what's going on for AIM and what's going on for with live streaming as well. I think it's a very well-timed interview. So really, in terms of the new role at AIM, this really reflects the expansion that AIM has been undergoing. So really, the, the whole of the industry and independent music businesses have been expanding their own remits with all the changes in uh, technology. This has forged a wider playing field for independent music businesses to be able to cover. And as such, AIM's remit has really expanded. Also, with a, a change of CEO a few years ago, with Paul Pacifico coming on, AIM also went through a little bit of an update with its coming of age at that time in recognition of really the changing industry and those changing business models. And what we're doing now is really much broader work in supporting our members who have much broader interests. And um, we have a lot of new faces within AIM. And uh, we're involved in a lot more um, international work as the business is really global now. And also a lot more social justice and campaigning areas that our members want us to get involved with, such as uh, helping to uh, make businesses more sustainable to fight climate change and really to level the playing field and make sure that we're supporting new entrepreneurs coming into the industry with help and support and advice. So. We're really doing a lot more broad work than we ever have before. And the COO role was to recognise that the CEO can't really be everywhere and perhaps we needed more support at the top level. So can you tell us a bit more about the career path that took you to AIM and where you are at AIM currently? My background has really been one of very broad interests. At school, I was very interested in a range of of things from politics and systems to arts. I was very involved in drama and I sang in the in the choir and also science and maths. And of course, in the education system, you're often pinned down when it comes to um, looking towards university. And it was very difficult to choose which of those paths I would follow. But I did go for the science and maths, partly because my mother is a very much 
an original feminist and was very keen to, to see her daughter develop in science and maths and forge a path that way. So I studied electronic engineering at university, but I still retained a very strong interest in politics and systems and in humanity in general and in the arts. It's difficult to pin yourself down when you have quite broad interests. So in working initially in engineering, I just found it really a little too narrow for the other things I was interested in and ended up just broadening myself. And as a result, I've had quite a mixed career path. I've worked for multinational corporations. I've worked when I got into music as a sole trader and as part of SMEs. I studied as a mature student in law. I really see my background as a bit of a collage with one layer of skills and experiences building on top of another, emerging. And I find the music industry, and particularly the independence side, has been a fantastic place to bring such a mixed experience and a mixed career path, because you need such a broad range of skills. In addition to your efforts at AIM, you collaborate with Impala, and you actually led Impala's working group on live streaming. Can you tell us a bit more about that, please? Yeah, we do a lot of work with Impala as well as just working within AIM and with the AIM community. I mean, it would really be ridiculous for us not to be working very closely with our friends and colleagues at Impala and at all of Impala's trade associations because, and to mention the B word, Brexit or no Brexit, the UK is still part of the continent of Europe and our next door neighbours are some of our closest trading partners. So as the business really is global, of course, we work very closely with Impala on a range of topics and that will continue into the new year and beyond. So when it comes to the work you did on live streaming, tell us a bit about what exactly you were focusing on. Because live streaming, it is a, a broad subject. So for Impala, what were you looking at? So really, the live streaming working group, I suppose, developed out of, out of the sudden expansion of live streaming with COVID and with the lockdowns happening and with touring and live events going completely silent. And there being a continuing need for artists and fans to connect, for music to be in the world. I think, you know, on a very human level, we all had a desperate need in a very scary time to have music in our lives. I think that was really good for everyone's mental health for that to continue. So, of course, where, you know, where uh, live gigs shut down, the need being still there, live streaming was the obvious solution to many. The working group grew out of that. And I was very lucky to, to be able to call on some fantastic, really expert people within the AIM community to bring that group together. So we had a real cross-section of experts. We had uh, Rupert Skellett and Ruth Barlow from Beggars. We had uh, Frederick and Charlie from PIAS. We had Jerome uh, from the French Trade Association and SPPF, and also Impala's own Helen Smith. And really that acted as a fantastic brains trust to bring some knowledge together about what was actually happening on the ground with live streaming, what the concerns of members across the Impala Trade Association network were, and how we could best advise and support them. What practical tips did you highlight for Impala members in your guidance 
the demand from members for advice and support was really because there was a sudden expansion, as I say, of, of live streaming. This being a fairly new area, I mean, it's not entirely new. Live streaming has been a part of release campaigns and a part of the way that fans and artists connect for a good while. And also a part of what happens as a matter of course quite often around festivals and big live shows where you have also online an online stream from the event. So it's, it's really been there for a little while, but the sudden expansion caused a whole plethora of business models to suddenly appear. And I think a lot of artists hadn't really considered the ins and outs of live streaming, what's involved. And a lot of the platforms who were offering live streaming hadn't completely evolved their offering. So we had a very new landscape for artists and for all of the people that work with the managers and labels, of course, to look at and to try and work out how to make the best of what appeared to be a great opportunity. And as I say, a real help for everyone to connect with music and for artists and for fans' mental health during the COVID lockdowns. But of course, it's a challenge when there's any new model or new technology uh, for people to keep to catch up and to keep up and to make sure that they are putting the right things in place for the longer term. So I think the, the real challenges around live streaming were that many platforms were offering a live streaming ability, but the, the music wasn't necessarily always cleared in the right way. So we exist in a, in a business that operates on copyrights. In that way, artists and the people that work with them can make sure that music is, is only used with their permission and the music is paid for so that the businesses who support artists and eventually artists can make a living and make a career and be able to support themselves through the music that they produce. So this is really what we were looking at in the working group, making sure that everyone was aware of how music should be cleared, when it was cleared and when it wasn't cleared, and what to look out for in the kinds of agreements they might be signing or the terms and conditions of live streaming platforms. So that was really our area of focus to make sure that that was clear to make sure that everyone understood where they fit into that process and also to help artists and the people that they work with, the labels, the managers, make sure that everyone was included in conversations about planning around live streaming so that not only was the music cleared, but everyone was making the most of the opportunity. You've got a, a real difference between a live stream that's actually happening live and a live stream that is actually recorded and perhaps what's called as live, where it's pre-recorded and then post-produced perhaps a little and put out at a later date. And at that point, of course, you've got the recording. And with that recording, you can do other things, of course, after the live stream. So maybe that live stream will be made available for a longer period. The artist and, and those who work with them might want to have a say about who it's made available to, how it's made available, where it's made available. They need to consider the live stream as part of the wider work that they do with their music, what they're doing around their release plans. And, you know, for all of these things, it's often a little unclear with some live streaming platforms whether the all of those permissions are in place and whether all of those things have been thought through properly. 
So that's really the guidance that we wanted to give to make sure everyone was communicating, everyone's working together on this, and that the picture around who gets to use the music, how it gets used, and how it gets paid for is very clear. Has your master's degree in engineering helped you understand how streaming technology works from ordinary people's general point of view? Especially as I gather, this is the fastest piece of advice ever produced by an Impala working group. Well, I think the speed of the advice production was really um, in recognition of the need to get advice out very fast and really help people before they were perhaps a little way down the line and hadn't considered all the issues that they needed to consider and all the opportunities they could get from, from live streaming's expansion. In terms of my background with engineering, whether that helps me understand live streaming, my engineering knowledge is many decades now out of date. And in any case, I was working specifically in telecoms. So it's not so much that I would understand the development or, or technical requirements of live streaming in that sense. I suppose more it gives me a familiarity with technology and it gives me a problem-solving outlook to deal with new technologies and not to be fearful of them, but to embrace them and see what opportunities they might give. And I suppose also it gives me some insight into the way new technologies and new tools develop and the ways of thinking behind that development, which is often very different. It sometimes feels like music and technology and platforms are speaking different languages. Um, but in fact, I think realistically, the creativity is a common bond between those, uh, those seemingly different uh, directions. I suppose that's where my background helps me with it. Excellent. Just finally, would you say live streaming has become, so to speak, mainstream? And if so, after the pandemic ends, will it survive as it is or is there more room for it to evolve? Well, I think the pandemic has definitely brought live stream into the mainstream. And I think it will survive. I think it was there before and it will be there afterwards. And following the rapid acceleration brought by COVID, there will be more of it than, than ever. It is currently evolving. Platforms are entering into licenses with um, performance rights organisations and with licensing organisations. And the technology itself is evolving as well. So there are different ways that, that people are looking to uh, remunerate artists and those who are hosting the live streams. So we're seeing lots of different models around tip jars and around ticketed live streams. And I think we'll continue to see that evolution. These are some of the aspects that we wanted to make sure was clear in the advice that, we, that came out of the live stream working group at Impala was to make sure that people were very aware of, of all the different aspects that were out there and what they needed to consider going in. That is very illuminating. Really learned a lot from you there, G. So thank you. And now for the rapid fire questions about you personally. What are the three things that stand out for you in the past 12 months? Well, the past 12 months have obviously been dominated by COVID, but I think there are a few things that stand out to me. I've seen some absolutely fantastic live streams, including just one the other night from uh, Andrew Hung 
of uh, F buttons, which was just incredible. Two more things that stand out for me really is just how flexible and adaptable the independent community has been in facing COVID. So just the the fact that independent labels largely didn't put their leases on hold, that they kept releasing all the way through the pandemic to make sure that there was lots of music out there to support their artists. And I suppose the other thing really has been something very personal at AIM is, is the COVID crisis fund that we were able to develop. And Impala also managed to develop some funding very quickly to respond just to the incredibly challenging situation for musicians, for freelancers in our industry, and including, you know, some of our own members who who really were left out of some of the governmental plans and were facing hardship. So just the generosity, the flexibility, and the imagination and creation that's been going on has been really heartwarming and has really helped me come through the pandemic myself. What are your priorities for the future? I suppose my first priority is to make sure that whatever challenges are facing us, we've gone through a, a very challenging period. It's not over yet. We have more challenges to come and perhaps in the UK, we're looking at more challenges than perhaps the rest of continental Europe. So my priority really is to make sure that all of our members have as much help and support as we can possibly give them as aim, that we are really challenging our government contacts to help and support this industry, which provides and adds so much to culture and to the economy. What are you often heard saying? A couple of things spring to mind. One thing I'm often heard saying is to own your own business, you have to own your own data. (laughs) So I suppose this is part of my, my technical background, but independent music businesses' data is almost as important as the music they're putting out, because this is how the information flows through the digital economy and make sure that you're properly remunerated for all of the consumption of the music that you're putting out. What's your one piece of advice to someone considering a career in music? Well, I suppose when I told my uh, when I told my mum that I was leaving engineering and looking for a path in the music landscape, she told me that I should definitely get a proper job. So my <laughs> advice to people entering music, probably don't listen to your mums if they tell you to get a proper job. I think this is a proper job and this is a very vital industry. You have to forge your own path and it's so worthwhile. It really is. So I would just tell them to, to keep going. That's a brilliant answer. That's really great. And finally, what's on your playlist at the moment? Oof, always so many things. Along with my broad background, I have fairly broad taste. Currently on my record decks, I can see Sufjan Stevens' new album. In fact, it's, he put out two albums at the same time. I also have Arlo Parks on heavy rotation. Coco Roco, I'm a huge fan of at the moment. Fortet is invariably <laughs> on my playlist. And that's just to name a few, but uh, I could probably keep going all day. <laughs> Gee, Davy, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much. It's been really fun. <laughs> <laughs>